Hello and welcome to Generally Famous. I'm Simon Bridges and each week I'll be talking to generally famous but always interesting guests about life, love and what makes them tick. This week we have TV star, podcaster, feminist, I think I can say that about you, partner, mum, Christian, daughter, Petra Baggist. It's great to have you on Generally Famous. Sweet as. Thanks for the intro. Hey, you are very well. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, Do you know that a Google search of you and I, uh, it's Simon Bridges, Petra Baggist. I, I didn't try, I must admit, Petra Baggist, Simon Bridges. It's possible <laughs> that, that that brings different results. Brings as its top result, um, you and I calling Paula Bennett, one of my bezies, Paula Benefit. The human mind is amazing, isn't it? Isn't the internet, internet marvellous? Yes, it, it, it's just the ability for the subconscious to work. Where you've heard something, you're like, I must never do that. I must never mix this with that. And then <laughs> and we then do, you it. do it. At parties. I think that's right. <laughs> in glasses. I see. In words, on tongues. Yeah. Do you think we can derive any deeper meaning from us both doing that or not really? No, not really. Have you ever been on a benefit? I haven't been on There's no shame page. in that. I'm just No shame. No. I was just I honestly was literally thinking. But do you see what I did there? See, I went from sort of flipping into yeah, something quite serious. And as fellow if I, if as I had fellow a... broadcasters, I just felt like I'd I'd explain Jump on that. in there, Simon. I'd explain the pool is that wide and broad and you are welcome. Well, but I'm am I I'm not I'm not part of the MSM, am I? I mean I'm this is podcast. MSM. Media services mangled Main up. Street. Oh, mainstream Main media. Street, not Main Street, mainstream media. No, I don't think podcasts count no. as mainstream. Mind no. you, doing it with stuff, so you're getting close. Yeah, no, that's. I suppose that's. I suppose that's true. And uh, yeah, anyway, let's. Um, we've. I've done interviews with you, so the boots on the other foot here. It totally is I because in the in my brief period on breakfast for two yes. years, you that's along. Not brief. Along with Jacinda Ardern, we're a young gun, I believe. Yes. We called you every second week. Yes. The two of you would come into the studio and we'd interview you. Yeah. And then you both ended up as leaders of your parties. And I thought, hmm, is there any correlation between media experience and practice and being able and to front your profile and being able yeah. to front a party? And so much of that is what you say. But quickly. maybe maybe we were amazing. Or, and that's why we got the gig. I mean, I don't. Or was it I'm, all of it? Is it all I'm of it? I'm not saying that. Maybe it's all of that. It's actually true in Australia as well. I feel like there was. A, I could be basically making this up, but I feel like there was a Julia Gillard, mm-hmm. Tony Abbott primetime TV breakfast thing um, every week or so, and they both became prime ministers. Now I never became prime minister, sorry so I'm that. the I'm the unsuccessful <laughs> prime minister. Yeah. Was it? Sorry, no, there was an actual frog in my throat. No, then that's okay. They can edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> I think you're right. I think obviously both of you showed great talent. And then I think that being on telly every week or every second week was useful. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And you were on, I mean, you you were a TV star young. 22. And you did that to sort of, I mean, um, early 40s? Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, yeah, about, I think I was on breakfast when I was 40, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 18 solid years, I think, on telly every year. Yeah, quite a long time. Veteran. Veteran oh. at like 40. That's pretty cool, eh? Hey? Hadn't it, thought of it like that. It is. And, and the thing about, I remember Paul Henry saying this, but the thing about breakfast TV, and as you say, I mean, I got, I, I had two or three big breaks. One of them was beating Winston. You, 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 know, you know you're the big time when you can give him one name and everyone knows who you're talking about. Um, 
going on breakfast TV, I think John Key got me the gig. I think they asked him who they, and he said, oh, he, he'll be good. And so, you know, it was me and Jacinda uh, on breakfast TV every week. And But the thing about Paul Henry, uh, I think, said the thing about breakfast TV then, and when you were still on it, um, is... It's not like today when there's TikTok and Instagram and podcasts and every other thing and a bunch of people aren't watching. Everyone was watching it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everyone was watching it. It was, no, I mean, it, it, was, it, was the, it was the dying days, if you like, sorry to TVNZ and TV3 and all that, but in a way it was of that massive power. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, do you think that? The programmers chose what we watched. And yeah. did you, and did you, that's right, they chose. Yeah, it was curated. And it wasn't on demand. Yeah, it was different. We had DVDs. That's, that was our choice, wasn't it? We had some DVDs that if we wanted to make our own decision or we could go to the cinema. But and otherwise, did you enjoy it? Uh, breakfast? No, no, not really, not generally. But that was that's another story, Tele- making television. Yeah. I loved it. The best thing about breakfast TV was um, after the earthquakes in Christchurch, and we were literally useful. We were literally connecting people with information that they mm. needed or wanted. And we were telling a story that was impacting the whole of the nation, yes. the Motu as it's now known. And there was something dynamically, resonantly good about that, yeah. about telling the stories that other Kiwis didn't have access to, connecting people to information and ideas or actions that they could take. And that was profound on another level, it was just an incredible time to be broadcasting. Um, I think Gaddafi got assassinated. There were riots in London. Um, it just News was just happening all over the world. There was an election and it was Olympics and it was everything. So that was very exciting to be in this kind of fulcrum of activity. But the hours and the, and the so atmosphere and the... Because yeah, what were you so getting up to do breakfast TV? I was getting up at four, but look, right. lots of people do it, yeah. right? But I was a young mum. I had young children. By That's the time tough. I finished breakfast, they didn't jump on your bed in the morning. You know how they run in and they jump on your bed? Mum, Dad, we're awake. That was over. But yeah, no, it wasn't It wasn't my home either. Like I didn't come from TVNZ and I didn't come via journalism school, so I wasn't really truly one of the team, I don't think. Yeah. You, you were telling me before we got on, fine arts is your original thing have I got that yeah that was my yeah that's what I studied at university and would you say you have a an artistic disposition is that your you know I I feel like there's a you know rather than a you're not I mean or or, I mean completely I'm mashing my questions here but or are you a are you you still a news junkie I was never a news junkie right and I'm still not a news junkie I'm a people junkie yeah yeah 100% and in some ways do you think that made you um I don't want to say better, but in a way that's good, right? Because for breakfast TV, look, most people aren't. They're having their cornflakes, they're, uh, they, they, you know, they want to know what's going on and be informed, but also entertained, and they don't want some sort of um, professorial type or something who's kind of giving them a lecture on what's going on. I think in the, just as there's a diversity in each family in terms of strengths, you want that on a breakfast crew as well. Mm. So you may you want your news junkie there, definitely. And then you want, you know, it's an arranged marriage. That's how they often talk about it. You know, um, um, male-female partnership that, that fronts and you've got a newsreader and you've got the weather person who's usually your kid. There are stereotypes that exist in that framework. Yeah. I think let's bust them up and yeah. possibly TVNZ's doing a good job of that. Um, Vibe-wise, TV3's got a you know good thing going. They create 
warm. You, people wake up and they they want their news, but they want some aroha. They want some love and some encouragement. That was my hope in being part of Breakfast TV was to say, hey, New Zealand, here's another day. We've got to do it. Let's do it together. Let's do it, let's, let's do it as well as we can because life is crunchy. I don't know that I succeeded in that, but that was my intent. That's a good intent. Um, who would you say, sorry, it's a bit twee question, but I am <laughs> genuinely interested. Who would you say was the, the, the best um, in front of the camera um, uh, talent or broadcaster or guy or girl that you worked with? Oh, gosh. Or even not work with, actually. But, I mean, if you look back on those years, I mean, is it, you know. To be honest, I think, I think that, I think that there's magic inside of chemistry. So when you've got, so, so for example, Paul Henry with uh, Kay Gregory wasn't Mm. joyous as a broadcast experience, but Paul Henry with Pippa Wetzel was. was. So you've got it, it. It's not doesn't come down to the individual. I think it comes down to the interconnection and the relationship and the chemistry. So for me, Ice TV was special. It was magical. Johnny Bridges came from comedy. Nathan Rariri came from radio. I came from university, and so oh, regional music TV. So I came from regional music TV. That was my part time job during uni, and. And there was a chemistry and a joy, not just in the three of us, but in the whole kaupapa, in the whole cohort of people who made it. Magic came. And you get magic sometimes, but it's foreground and background magic together. I think it does come down to the individuals, though, doesn't it? I mean, for some reason, Pippa, uh, sorry, um, uh, Gregory and Henry didn't work. But Pippa so you came could, along and she got him or something, right? And nah, she was nah, prepared I'm to... Gonna, I'm pushing back because you could say Paul Henry wasn't a good broadcaster because him and Kay didn't work together. Mm-hmm. Or Kay wasn't a good broadcaster. But they're actually, they each have skills in their own right. But sometimes something extra happens. Pippa did allow Paul to shine. Mm. And I heard that he only ever got into uh, hot water when she wasn't on the couch beside him. Right. So all his big... Um, kind of media furoris were when somebody else was filling in, right? Mm. So there must have been some sort of really good. Magic she brought it. I mean, I mean, it's a bit. She brought out the best in it, and I don't mean this in any um, sort of silly way. But I, I know that when Natalie's in the audience, my wife, mm-hmm. I I do better. Yeah. I don't make a dickhead of myself when Natalie's in the in the audience, so or she, you know, there's a you know. So if it was a big conference, or it was some something that really, I want her there somehow. Um, that gives me a confidence. I don't try too hard. I don't do anything that's kind of yeah OTT. So she's your safe person who yeah. who 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 calls the best of you yeah. and also holds you to sort of some sort of healthy boundary. Yeah, I think that's right. You can just kind of see she's like, no, Simon. Yeah, that's not the. So Pippa did that. that is not mature. Yeah. So Pippa did that for Paul, but it didn't make Paul better than Kay or better than Pippa or Pippa. I just why do we have to? I, you know, I mean, people rank people all the time, but I think... It's what we do. Yeah, we can choose not to do it. We can practice well, new we habits. we are humans. We are humans, and I kind of love that about us. It doesn't mean we can't learn new tricks. No, and speaking of that, I yeah. mean, if I think about you, and I, I hope you don't, you don't come Go across here and tell me off something, I, don't, I, I mean it well, and I think you've said it on your podcast, which we'll come to, then it was over. 
and you, as you say, were like forty, and and you you not that you were because you've reinvented and you know it's the thing we all do these days, and and and, and you've done all these things, but at a level, and I know the feeling, right? I was leader, I was in the TV every night, da 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 da, and then you're uh, in quotes. And this is the bit, the, the little bit, but I think you said it has been right, and it's no, and, I didn't and you're say only that. forty. No, I didn't say that. I said former broadcaster. Right. What was your quotes? Oh, well, I probably am a has-been. So this is like who decides who we are, Simon? Who gets to decide yes. for every individual who they are yes. when the lights are off? So people say, oh, what's such and such doing? I haven't seen them for ages. And I'm like, the answer is they're living. They're, yes. they're doing that. If you have a life that's in the public and then your life is no longer in the public, you're still living. It's just that not everybody is seeing what it you're doing. It doesn't matter who decides. Yes, it does. What I mean is, should we care? Do I really? So I'll, I'll give you an example. Just yeah. some, um, it's probably a lame, superficial example, but I'll give it. It's funny enough, I was thinking about it. Um, I'm walking along the road. Uh, this morning, uh, a guy asked me for a selfie, right? Um, and, you know, one level, that's good. You know, former someone has been, you know, he still still wants it and, and he's a young guy. Now, the reality of that is, and I've had this happen, as you may, as you may appreciate many a time, um, some people put those up on social media and slag me off and say, look at this tool I'm sort of sitting next to. Look, most don't, that's the way. But kind of, I'm in the situation where I'm like, who gives a shit, right? I like... I'm, it's easier to take the selfie. He or she's going to do whatever they want with it. Life goes on. So I suppose I'm saying I, I make a choice, and I don't always do this perfectly. Sometimes things do get to me, right? They, they do do all the And I'm like, no, I'm. Not, other people don't get to decide my self worth. So you, that's a good position to be in. It sounds like emancipation to me. You also don't have to prove anything particularly like you aren't representing now an entire cohort and a way of being and a lifestyle in the same way that you were as the leader of the national party so you have freedom to work out who you are like i think inside of great loss which we all go through there is profound learning and profound discovery potential like i'm not saying anything new i'm just saying when we come home to who we are when the no one's looking You know, that's really who we are. And then people are misunderstood all the time. You are misunderstood, I'm sure, as the leader of the National Party. But when you're misunderstood as an individual or when you're critiqued or you don't have to not feel it, but you can decide, you can know who you are and then what that other stuff that bounces off the outside of you it is has a different impact. Like reading that I form a broadcaster, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Some other cohort have decided that I am no longer a broadcaster. That's interesting. So that just begs the question for me. So am I a broadcaster or not? And even the idea of reinvention, like what is that? Or is it that over the last 10 years I have carried on living and learning and doing things and then I have dipped my head above the parapet again now in in a forum of public communication like podcasts and people are like, oh, she's reinvented herself as a podcaster. Mm. <laughs> or is it that all of that stuff is just, that this is just a percolation or a different expression of who I always was? I suppose reinvention at level doesn't matter. It's nice. No, it's, it's, not, wo- it's not pejorative, but it, no, at it's a level, wonderful marketing it's what tool. other people yeah. say about 100. you, not yeah. what you say yeah. about. But but I suppose what I am interested in, and you, I won't characterise it, you, you, you do this, is, you know, you were on TV yes. every morning. Yes. Everyone in New Zealand saw you. 
um, because you know at that time TV3 had about eight viewers, and that's just the way. It, and and then you weren't. How did that go for you? I mean, w w did it take two years for you to kind of decide that um, you didn't care, or did you not care from the day one, or what was that? And, and 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 we've said the quote reinvention word, but I mean, was there? What was the learning that you went through? How long have you got, Simon? <laughs> Not too long, I, because, <laughs> because I want to talk to you about your pod and I, life and I, love and well, children. Is, and Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I loved my last three months on breakfast because I knew I was going to be free at the end of it. Yep. So for me, I was a round pig in a square hole or a square pig in a round hole, whichever way the saying goes. It wasn't a comfortable fit. And that was for a multitude of reasons. When I knew that I could be me again, my last three months of breakfast were good because I started to pull off the shackles of what TVNZ really wanted me to be, which wasn't working, not for them, not for me. And so I enjoyed that last three months yep. and I left and knew I needed essentially a sabbatical. So I said to my husband, I'm taking six months off mm. and that's what I did. I literally didn't work for six months. I breathed and I kind of just restored my soul because there had been something profoundly, um, I don't know if diminishing or reducing or sucking, something something about my experience of, of TVNZ's breakfast show that had withdrawn from the bank account of my life in a way that hadn't resourced mm. me. It was the highest I'd ever been paid, the most often I'd ever been on telly, um, the most profile I had, possibly the most free stuff, but I was the poorest I've ever been. That's how I describe it. Right. I was psychologically and emotionally and physically poor as opposed to being rich. So it was probably that I was in the wrong place. Did you like the free stuff? <laughs> I've always liked the free stuff, Simon Bridges. I'm a New Zealander. We all, we like, all the free like the free stuff. stuff. The free stuff usually comes with a caveat. Free stuff? Simon, let it go. Oh. You've had you've, how many lunches have you had? Oh, that's terrible. What are you? Are you I making assumptions making, based on no the look of me? No what are you trying to say? I'm saying that I suspect and have heard <laughs> that when people go into politics, they put on weight due to the amount oh, of lunches they go to. That's very hateful. Um, would you change anything? I know. All right, I'm going to move on now, but would. would would you change anything, no. do anything differently about no. you? No. No, because... No, I don't think I would either. Because I, I love the learning. I love, like, at the end of the six months off, I took another six months off. Now, what a privilege. Yeah. I got to be a mum. I stayed yeah. in How my house. How old were kids and, at that time? Oh, like, uh, 2012. Do the maths quickly, like, five, seven, nine, mm, six, eight, ten. They were that sort of era. And, and then I went on a learning journey. I, like, literally carried on speaking to people in public because I love people. Mm. I love us. We're so marvellously munted and we're magical and crazy and I'm fascinated. And that then I learnt a bit of te reo Māori for two years and I've done chaplaincy studies and I worked as an ambassador and did public speaking and I reconnected with who I was probably. Are, I, you, are you an introvert or an extrovert, I'm do an, you think? I'm an extra extrovert. Is that right? And in my mature years, I've come around to being able to be on my own. I never was able to be on my own as a young person. And now I love... I mean, I'm an introvert. I hear you. I, I, lo I like people, yeah. but... Um, not I want specifically, to, not actual I'll, individuals, I'll, just people <laughs> as a general rule. No, and I like individuals and I like being in a group and I'm not yeah. shy, but, um, it, you know, at the end of um, talking to you for however long it is, I want to sleep. need a cup of tea and a lie down. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so extroverts are socially very capable, right? They just don't recharge in company. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. Grey areas. Yeah. I, I think it's amazing. I've heard I, of it. I, I, I've heard I, it's good. Yeah, no, I, look, I really enjoyed it. And I suppose for those who haven't, you know, it's about, as the name suggests, getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, I would say, you know, confidence, esteem, self-care, particularly for women, um, sex therapy, menopause, yeah. <laughs> we come to that, uh, the, the, the big M. Um, why that podcast? What was it about that? that? It was a conversation in an office. Have you ever wanted to do a podcast? A guy said, like my colleague um, Josh, who's one of the producers, and I've said, absolutely have, but I'm realistic enough to know I couldn't do it on my own. And he was like, well, what would you want to do it about? And I said, well, everything I'm interested in, everything I'm passionate about and curious about. How do we, given your topic, age well? I think we age intentionally. We make decisions for ourselves and with ourselves. So we choose to age. Like, Simon, it's happening. We all age, right? Yeah. So are you aging blindly, obliviously? Are you railing against it? Are you pretending, ignoring, distracting, diverting, avoiding? Or are you going to hop into that driver's seat of your own beautiful life and go, hey, things are changing. How do I set myself up for success for the next season? How do I get out of this one wild and beautiful life? What I'm meant to get, how do I give inside of this one wild and beautiful life? What I want to give. It's, it's For me, it's about intentionality, following a thread of curiosity. I'm getting older. How do I want to age? If I decide to age by pretending I'm not aging, kapai, do that. By looking as young as I can, do that. But if I decide to age by focusing on uh, maybe my own like strength as a woman, like we need, we we lose muscle faster than men. Am I going to moan and whinge about that? No, I'm going to do some. I'm going to do some strength work. I'm going to increase my strength, increase my flexibility. I'm going to um, see what can I still give. What am I interested in? What are, what am I purposeful about? What can I embrace? And I might decide to embrace aging, and. I just think that's really a life-giving move. So the thought- it's a power move. Yeah, the thoughtfulness or the intentionality allows for a grace, and it also leads to action potentially. I agree. Yeah. No. Yeah. I get so if that. we get, you know, and what we're afraid of, I, I call them black goals. What we're afraid of, we still move towards. Mm. So if my greatest fear is getting old, I'm still, or my greatest fear is being alone or being rejected, or my greatest fear is failure, I'm going to move towards it because my subconscious is activated on it. Whereas if I turn my attention towards what I want and I make it a white goal or a light goal, I'm actually going to walk towards that. We, we, you know, the, what's the jargon now? Manifest. But let's, we don't even have to be woo-woo. We can be woo-woo if we want to be. What we think about and spend time on and pay attention to, we, we create. We How create. old do you think I look? You, my friend, black don't crack, uh, look like a young man. 35. <laughs> no, 35, Simon. That's good. Yeah, no, I like you. Um, I, I know, and you, you, you like know, we won't, I won't characterise uh, what, what I How old I do I look, Simon? No, I'm not. How old do well, I look? Well, I know you're 50. Yeah, how old do I look? 50, hopefully. I think you do look 50. Thank you. Sort of there, I don't know, I, because I know that, so it's yeah. what I think of you. And, 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 and at the same time, if you and I think about it for a second, we don't really know what 50 looks like, do we? No, and of course it can look different. Yeah, on because different and, people. Yes, and for women, and for women, it's what does fifty even look like? It looks like 
but I suppose, and I suppose there are fifty-year-old men and women who are trying to look twenty-eight. And I, as you sort of say, we're not going to here and make judgments about that. That's okay at, a, at a level. Did you have a big bash for your fiftieth? I did have the best birthday ever. Did you, did you have a hangover in the next morning? No, of course or? I didn't, Simon. I just don't need alcohol to dance on tables. Right. I didn't dance on a table. I did a huge, to give you horapaki context, I did a big bash um, at the top of a hotel for all my friends and whanau for my 30th. Mm. I did a big bash for my 40th. It was the end of the breakfast. It was a party at home and heaps of people in catering. I really think celebrating is a worthwhile engagement. Yeah. For my 50th, I knew I didn't want to party because it's an existential crisis for me to try and inter- to connect with all these people I love and like in one night, and I know it's impossible. Sorry, how many? No, just however many people you have at a party. Yeah, how many you, came to yours? Well, I did mine on Great Barrier Island, and right. I invited 50 people, right. and 25 of them could come because Amazing. it's a bit of a pain in the ass to get yeah, there. Yeah, that's great. And... It was so good because well, it was over a period of days. It wasn't even a party. It was a yes. sit-down dinner. It was a casual barbecue the night before with locals. It was a weekend filled with aroha. And, and I think time. at that number, that means that people you genu- genuinely yeah. and generally like yeah. and love yeah. and vice versa. There were people I genuinely like and love who couldn't be there. Yeah, Members of my family and yeah. close friends. But you know what? One of them is like coming to visit us. At Christmas, and they're an introvert, and it will be better. It was yeah. like, oh, it was so good. It was just such a. I'm a quality time person, so when people spend time with me, I feel loved, and that's what the birthday weekend was. People gave their weekend up and came and hung out with us. It was awesome. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Do you think that um, men and women are, are treated differently? It's different in relation to going grey. And I know you've talked about this. I mean, my my sense would be, let me give you the answer to my own question before <laughs> you, and you can say no, da 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 da. But I, I suspect you'll sort of go along with it. At some my, my suspicion is, look, actually, um, no, we are treated differently. I've got some salt and pepper. You know, I'm thinking of a bad '90s sort of band. Then when I say that, but. Um, but you know, going grey for a man is silver fox, the association, so on, and and traditionally at least that's been different. And of course, we know that you know, for the most part, or my sense would be, a woman will die on that basis, die their hair, and so. I mean, what's your 
Yes, that that was that was our that was our script. We yeah. were we were it, it was an emancipation move to be able to die here. You could you could look younger and relevant, and you weren't written off as old or elderly or or past it. These days, there is a grey hair revolution, a silver sisters revolution, yeah. and I'm not on the bleeding edge of that. I'm probably just past the cutting edge of that in terms of, I know for me, I thought the day I go grey, that means I'm no longer able to be on telly, even though I wasn't on telly anyway. But I I subconsciously knew that when I look at my television screen, there aren't grey-haired people on it. That's changing. Mm. It's all changing. Or is it grey-haired woman? Grey-haired woman. It is grey-haired woman. Yeah, Totally. I mean, the, I, I don't know, the, I'm trying whole, to think it was Sandy Head, but Peter Williams, I mean, he was in his 60s, I think, or certainly late 50s, still reading the the, the, the news. Yeah, um, yeah Simon Dell is grey, Mike McRoberts is grey. So self-evidently, there's a different treatment there. But it's through the whole, it doesn't happen, it doesn't start when people go grey. That, that kind of narrative for women that's narrow starts way back when you have to usually have to have a certain physique, have to have a certain colour here, like one of one of two colours. Sam Hayes is the exception with the third colour. Have a certain, no curls. There's no curly-headed newsreaders. And Dara Stewart is a phenomenon. A, she's Pacifica. Mm. And B, she's got curly long hair. Mm. You don't see it. So there's not, it's not, oh, it's just this. It is as women in our society, as Pākehā European women, there is a way of looking and a way of ageing and a way of being that's quite narrow. And I just think we're starting to bust out of that. It's a good thing. It's a good move. But I'm not hit up about it or angry. I'm just like, let's go. Let's hop into the driving seat of our own stories. And, of course, there are, I don't know if the right word is, or words are role models, but there are, you know, very famous um, role models um, in, in terms of, I'm thinking, Judy Dench. Yeah. I'm thinking actually... Um, May Musk is it? Um, um, Iris, um, what's your name? Is just turned a hundred. I don't know if you follow her on on Instagram. Amazing. I think she got famous Um, at eighty-five. Yeah, when I'm I'm suspecting she was grey then too, right? So, so there are those sort of role models. I mean, one thing is sexism. I mean, another thing is ageism. Yeah. And I mean, we are a very ageist society. Western Europeans have yes. a very ageist attitude yes. towards what, ourselves. What, the crazy thing, the thing I do not get about this, is that we are all going there. Like if you're yeah. ableist or racist, Everyone you're not going to change a, your ethnicity no. and you're not going to potentially become unable-bodied. But everybody who is lucky enough gets older. Yes. So how we treat our elders now is how we are asking yes. to be treated. And we are all getting there. So the denial piece isn't working. Mm. Like Komatua and so many cultures like Māori, like Pacifica, like Asian cultures, African cultures, there is a different attitude towards I think elders. that's right. See, I don't like as a generalisation this down on Western society, right? Oh, look, they were bad and look, these other cultures are, are great but I agree with you mm-hmm. on this I think it's true and I think one of the things and I want to talk to you about this because I know or I think I know your circumstance a, a, a lot of it perhaps derives from the fact and you know I'm, I'm no more well, my wife Natalie's um, parents live with her sister and husband and children right and of course as a gross generalization that is much more so and true for Maori and Pacifica and I think actually Asian as you mm-hmm. say I say Asian Korean, cultures um, that's not true as a generalisation in the West. We sort of say it's time for a rest home love and there you you go. Your parents live with you. Your husband must really love you. He does. Such a good man. (laughs) I don't know if I'm man enough for that. He's such a good man. 
So kind. Does he like it? I, I don't think it's about like. It just feels really good. It just feels really right. It doesn't, it doesn't feel convenient and easy all the time. Yeah. But it feels really, really easy sometimes. Yeah. Like if something goes wrong, you are there. There's no hopping in the I've hopped in the car, driven across the city and beaten the ambulance to my parents' house before. That was not fun. If something goes wrong, I'm there. And if something goes right, I'm there. And, and I don't want to get you in trouble with them, but are they a, are they a young Old They're both. An older. They're a combo. Right. Yeah. Dad's got um, health issues, and and my mum is a young, young, wise person. Hey, this down on Western society. Can we just tap into that for a second? Yeah. When we raise up or notice something excellent in another culture, it doesn't mean we're degrading or rejecting our own culture. So for me, binary thinking is that when I notice you are good, I have to make somebody else bad to equal the scales. Can we say that the Western culture that we live in with the law and the justice and the peace and the democracy, there's so many good things about it, right? With There's so many good things, and there, but we're not good at everything and we don't have the answer for everything. So when we can draw on the wisdom, recognise the goodness in other cultures, learn, adopt a position of curiosity and humility – we can be better. I don't disagree with the thing you've said, but isn't it also true that as a generalisation, it's fashionable to not say anything good about Western values in society and to constantly say that in other cultures, uh, this is good or better and so on. And I suppose the danger with that, and I'm thinking aloud here, is that what that does is it undermines a bunch of, as you say, because no culture is good or bad, but good tenants and things uh, that uh, exist and are part of the foundations of our society. I think when you're addressing a balance of power, that happens, that we swing out. We swing out. I think it is fashionable to be down on Western European culture. And I think that maybe we need that. Maybe we need to swing too far out to come back to a centre. I think getting stuck anywhere is a problem. But the pendulum swing, the pendulum swing against sexism or against ageism Mm. or against ableism or against racism, that sometimes swings a wee way out Mm. beyond people's comfort levels. But why do we always have to be comfortable? Let's let go of that. Let's, Let's absorb some being misunderstood and critiqued. Let's actually take an honest look at ourselves and acknowledge where our culture has been overbearing and unhelpful and harmful Mm. and come back to a place of more equity and more equilibrium and more understanding and compassion. So I think it's probably just a necessary edge out. Do I think that our whole society is going to collapse because we're critiquing it and looking at it a bit? I don't know. No, you put that well from your perspective. You, of course, are you fluent in Tarot? Not at all. Where would you put it on a... I, mean, I don't know, one to ten. Are you a four two, or a six? Two, right. I'd say two. I add kupu, add words as much as I can, try and keep learning new words. My, when I was, I mean, I did two years of study. Like anybody who's studied a language for two years knows that they're not fluent. My commitment to continue to learn is nine. My uh, appreciation for what I'm learning is ten, and. And my curiosity is high. I guess. Are you still actively learning now? So yeah, well, I learned to karakia last year, right. and I listen to um, podcasts like Taranga and. Why other. is it important to you as a Pakeha woman to do that? 
Well, selfishly, it's a great addition to my life. It mm-hmm. expands my worldview mm-hmm. and it allows me to be a more whole human. And because I want to belong and I do belong to this whenua, because I am a New Zealander who lives here, when I can find my own identity, mm. then I can allow the identity of everybody else to exist well. So in coming home to being tangata tatiriti, a person of the treaty, rather than feeling displaced, defensive, um, insecure, I come home to the fact that I was invited to belong here, that I was, that there is, that there's a document that allows and legitimizes my involvement, however it's rolled out, you know, with the humanity and the difficulty of it rolling out. The original intent was um, collaboration. Like when we didn't overpower them with our numbers, the cultures were, there was a symbiosis and a trading and a, and a kind of a give and take. Like the first school in New Zealand was a Māori school and it was a tribe that went, we want a school, we want to teach our children. The first school here wasn't a school for Pakia. It was a school for Māori. Like Māori were open to new ideas and new technology, and and yeah, there was a giving and receive. There was a reciprocity to the relationship, and so because I'm here and because of, of who I'm descended from, I want to belong. I want to be in quality, reconciled relationship with Tangata Whenua as yeah. Tangata Tiriti. I don't want to pretend I'm them. I don't want to have to negate them to be me. I want us to be collaboratively able to coexist and more. There's so much we could talk about and unpack there and I really appreciate what you've said. Um, I do and though, we're cutting it. <laughs> well, I do oh, want to talk to you about something yeah. else that's really okay. important, menopause. Yeah. And uh, as an aside, isn't it fascinating? It's got the word men in it. Um, it's it all about us, <laughs> even menopause. Um, I, I mean, there's so much where in so many places we go on this, but I know, you know, again, your podcast, you've... You've, you've, you know, you've, you've unpacked and talked about a lot. I think it's fantastic. Um, at one level, actually, having said it's got the word men in it, it does affect us all. It um, does, yeah. It, it, it is something that's relevant to not simply women, but men and women. Yep. Um, I asked my wife, Natalie, this morning, because I wanted to ask you about it, and I'd listened and been affected by what you were saying about it on your podcast, what she thought of it. She said, well, you know, honestly, it's horrific. Mm-hmm. And we have a family member, and I have permission to say this, I'm not saying this sort of out of, out of turn or anything, uh, who's in her 60s. She's been going through it for years. Mm-hmm. It is entirely, well, not entirely, but it's fundamentally debilitated her life. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's sort of in all aspects of that. And yet... You know, it seems to me it's changing. Um, this person isn't in New Zealand, um, and and you know, she's in the UK. And where she is, look, I think, um, you know, there's a sense that there are campaigns about this actually to get employers to recognise what a big deal it is for employees and so on. Mm. Is it still a taboo in New Zealand? Is it still a private thing that um, we need to grow up on? What's your sense? Happily, I'm hearing, I'm walking past conversations where I hear people say the word menopause, like yes. there's cafes. And I hear women talking about it with each other. So I think it's, it's we're de-tabooifying it, definitely. And I think our attitude towards it makes difference to how we approach it. So it is a natural transition. It's not that a woman is and becomes deficient and broken and sick. It's that we go through this significant life change that has physiological as well as psychological, emotional, mental mm. 
um, impacts, right? Mm. And for one in four women, it is debilitating. Mm. And for two in four, it's mildly problematic. And for one in four, it's, oh, wow, I took a cardi off once. So if we are able to approach whatever experience we have over the five to 12 years that menopause can be. Some people say it's seven, some people say it's five, some people say it's 10, but it can be a long period of time for people. If we're able to approach it with curiosity again and intrigue and what can I do? And and if I approach it with the attitude that I can always feel better, I can, can take an action on my own behalf to feel better. When we're not in a spiral of what's wrong with me, am I dying? Do I have cancer? Am I going mental? Have I got a tumour? Yeah. Have I got dementia? Then we can actually stand on the solid ground of... I'm okay. I need more support. I need to take something. I need to do something for myself. But there are women, and there have been women, who have been sent to, um, you know, put on drugs and locked up for the rest of their lives because they had terrible menopausal symptoms. Yeah. Like women who were just, just written off for the rest of their lives. Mm. So, yeah, uh, it is pretty bad for some people. And yet when we know knowledge is power, yeah. Yeah, and Let's I think keep- you're right. I mean, I've heard, I can think of an example where, Constantly looking at houses. One day we might buy one. Uh, and uh, so that is that. But, you know, the real estate agents, um, I think we'd been walking up some stairs and she you know, said, no, I'm going through menopause. And, you know, Hot she flush. was talking about it. And, yeah. and, you know, I don't think that would have happened a decade it ago. Wouldn't have. And I thought that at the time, I thought that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What do you think men should know about it and do about it? Look, if anything, is it is it basically what you've already said? Be curious, have an empathy for it, or is there? Yeah, can I start with what men could do about it? Is um, is be kind to themselves. I literally had an intersection with my husband where he was like, "Where's the dog bowl?" and he couldn't find it. And I'm like, "It's at the front door. Like you used it, you like yesterday." And then he did another thing where he forgot something, and I was like. <gasps> Is he dying? Has he got a tumour? Is he <laughs> has he got dementia? And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what it's like for men when when women have this hormonal storm going on inside of them, which is essentially a second puberty, yeah. menopause, a reverse puberty. We're not it antsy about puberty. We're like, whoa, these days, poor kids. You, you know? talk about it as, as as going back to childhood or yeah, something. That, Run a, us through that. I mean, that's well, fascinating. A, in, in Asian cultures, it's called the second spring. So you go back to a calm hormonal state. You think of, as a woman, you're cycling through hormones, progesterone and estrogen all the time. Post-menopause, you go back to quite a calm hormonal state and women report being the happiest they've ever been in their 70s. Mm. And and returning to um, levels of contentment and happiness and freedom that they experienced in their childhood if their childhood was safe and secure. So for men, first of all, if you have fears, concerns and doubts about your wife, I empathise. And secondly, it is worth being curious about it. It's worth listening to a podcast. I know people who say, I've got I've got my husband to listen to Menopause 101. Yeah. Or unpacking it or asking questions, not trying to solve it, but supporting your partner in life to to seek the best for themselves, just as they hopefully help you. Because there's lots of talk about a male menopause. You know, how many people have a midlife crisis by a motorbike, get a new wife, get a new job, get you, throw everything out the window. So we go through transitions. It's just there is a very real physicality yes. to our transition. And um, I ask this in good faith and, and with reasonably with little... Your heart. With <laughs> Reasonably little knowledge about it, but I know for the family member I've mentioned, um, it's a question for them. HRT, um, hormone replacement therapy, what's your... There's a new name 
what's it called? Menopausal hormone therapy. Menopause hormone therapy because good thing, bad thing. Well, HRT more complicated than that. Yeah, it's more complicated than that. It's every person working out what they need to to feel better and to function well. And there, for some, menopause hormone treatment or menopause hormone therapy is excellent, and it is much safer. So have good quality discussions. Ask questions. If you're not, if it's not working for you, go to somebody else. Ask more questions. Read. There are books available. There are articles. There's online information. There's no such thing as no. It's not good or bad. It's not binary. Could be menopause hormone therapy for a while. It could be at this point. It could be maybe not for you. It could be supplements. It could be exercise. It could be ditch the booze. It could be change your sleep patterns. It could be change your job. It could be go to counselling. It could be any number of things. There might be something else going on. could be that you need more than menopausal hormone therapy. You need more support than that. You might need other medical intervention. I think one conclusion on all of these issues with ageing, whether it's uh, grey hair, menopause, um, that I agree with you wholeheartedly on. Your second half, so I'm 45, I think that puts me at about halfway. I was close um, with 35. Yeah, 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 we're a decade out. That's okay, yeah. Kay. I, I like, as I say, I like you a lot for that. Um, and I empathise with what you were saying when you were, you know, on breakfast TV, you had, what, nine, seven, five, something like that, young mm-hmm. kids. Well, my kids now are 10, 8, mm-hmm. 4. Mm-hmm. I've just been with my sister-in-law and uh, her husband in the UK. Um, their kids are... Um, four and two, thank God <laughs> my kids are older. I feel like I'm entering this better place. You know, my relationship with Natalie is better because I think partly, you know, we just haven't got, you know, whether it's career and the stress of that and these young kids, Yeah, your second half can be your best half. And I think actually people would say this, this, the studies and the surveys that it, it generally is. Do you agree, agree with that? I so do. Yeah. Stoked to be 15. You've worked out who you are, what you're about. Yeah. And and I'm enjoying it. I feel like I know who I am more. And I'm in being more accepting of myself, I'm more accepting of other people. And in being more responsible for myself and my own health, I'm allowing other people to be more responsible for themselves. Like, it's not either or. It's yes and. When I am responsible for myself, I can support somebody else, but I don't take responsibility for shit that's not doesn't belong to me. I'm not trying to fix anybody. I'm not, and even with the podcast, I'm not the answer. Each of us has the answer inside of us, but sometimes we need um, somebody to hold a hand and pull us forward or to cheerlead from the yes. sideline or to send us a care package or yes. whatever it is. In your second half, yes. you are a chaplain. I know. What, when, why, how? You well, run me through this. Well, sometimes I drive home <laughs> post-breakfast and I think, oh, Hamish is going to ask me what I've done today. <laughs> and all I've done is listen to people. How am I going to explain that? And it turns out you can, it's called chaplain. No, it turns out that uh, in basically really digging people and, and discovering the power of listening to people and in kind of coming home to the fact that I love that, uh, during COVID when I was kind of caring for a group of people who worked in the media I was like oh there's not and there's another whole cohort like it's basically surely everybody needs pastoral care or could could if they want it benefit from pastoral care so it was kind of this realization that friends and family are fantastic if you need to offload or 
decant or, you know, undo something. And experts are brilliant if you've got a really significant thing you need to work through. And there mm. are lots of levels of expert. Mm. But in between your expert from, like, right at the end of the continuum, mm. in the middle there, I think, sits pastoral care, which is somebody who is neither neither belongs to the... the um, corporation that you work for or your community or uh, is somebody who you necessarily have to pay for to see. Pastoral care is somebody who will be present with you and hold space. And you have a faith. You're clearly a Christian. Yeah. Um, I think as Kermit the Frog said, it's not easy being green. It's not easy being a Christian. Would you, and let, there we go again in Western society um, that I've, we live in. Would you, I don't would you go I, along no, with that? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go along with it. I because I I wouldn't do life without my faith. I mm-hmm. love my faith. I love it. It's joy. It brings wonder and joy and purpose to my. You. And so I don't really care if other people are misunderstanding me. Does it make it easy to be a Christian? Maybe mm. no. It doesn't at the moment because. I might be misunderstood. Do I deserve a little bit to be misunderstood? Yep, I probably do. Like, seriously, Christians are humans. Yeah. And we've done shitty things. And this is too big a topic to unpack right here, right now. But in terms of, like, chaplaincy is for all faiths and none, right? And so prayer exists inside of every single culture in the world. There is something inside of humans that seeks something bigger. Than themselves. Than themselves. And there's something bigger is also inside of them, and it's in the whole of nature. So I guess the chaplaincy piece is where you hold space with somebody. It's for people of all faiths and none, like I said. And you don't there's no there's no uh, getting people to the other side or winning them over or convincing them or recruiting them. There is um, I will stand or sit or or walk with you in this space and this difficulty. And so, to be honest, I don't care if the church is being misunderstood or Christians are getting a hard time or whatever. It's, some of it we deserve, some of it we don't. All sorts of people get attacked for all sorts of reasons or criticised or or misunderstood or critiqued. Well, you know, what what right do we have for, to be, you know, understood and loved and appreciated for every good intention that we have? Now, there are three questions I ask every guest, and it's called general knowledge. Yes. What single object would you save from your home? Well, I'd carry I'd put my husband, then my kids, and then my dog. Yeah. Okay, so it's objects. Let's say they're inanimate. Inanimate. What sort of dog have you got, by the way? It's a schnoodle. Right. Yeah, he's awesome. Unconditional love. Man, God invented dogs. <laughs> um, nah, just don't worry about it. Sleep Not stuff, worried, no stuff. positions. No, I'd be sad. Your I've photos? Got, no, because it's digital. We've got lots of stuff. I think my husband is so clever, he's probably got a copy somewhere, and if he hasn't, <laughs> you know. I, I, I love some stuff. Like, I, I, I thought about this, like, would I grab that painting that I got given for my 50th? I love that painting. It's great. What's it off? Elliot Collins. It's a poem on an abstract background. Right. Yeah, New Zealand. Great New oil, Zealand artist. Yeah, oil. Right. Yeah, oil. It's big, though. It's too hard to carry out. Nah. I just, um, as long as the dog and the cat are out, obviously the kids are out. Yeah. This is not the question, by the way. Okay. This is like this is like a, a preliminary. Thing. So, do oh, you drink? I do. Yeah. What is the best <laughs> night out you've ever had? 
I'm not necessarily linking those two things. You definitely be, linked them. It could be, you, you, you linked them. You could have been on green tea. No, you, but you linked them, just <laughs> so just you know. To, Jesus turned the water into wine. He so did. Uh, good wine too. Lots of good wine. Christians, my father says, have been trying to turn it back into water ever since. <laughs> I, I think my, I, I, I'm not good at favourites. It's just, it's just part of my personality. I Unlight. like more Unlight's of everything. Out then. So my it was best, just average, and nothing special happened. My, my fiftieth birthday party. Great. Yeah, we but that sat. That was un- a night. That was like you told me it was a rolling mall of it events was, but and on loveliness and it, aroha. It bloody was. But on the night, we set a table for twenty six. There were flowers and colour. There were festoon lights. There wasn't a breath of wind. There was food galore. There was beef fillet of beef and and salsa verde. My husband and mate, my husband, no, my brother and a friend drank a whole bottle of whiskey. I'd asked my brother to bring a bottle of whiskey. I never got offered a single. I, was, I called him. I said, Justin, you didn't give me a drink of whiskey. I like drinking a little bit of fire every now and then. But we danced, we ate, we talked. It was awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. What's I do like best? a good dance. Yeah, no, I, I've done a bit. It was my father-in-law's 80th, uh-huh. actually, very recently, and it was some good, well, some actually some very bad dancing. What's the best advice given to you, and who gave it to you? Again, this is, this is useless because there's so much good advice in life, isn't there? Uh, what springs to mind is to give and receive repair attempts. And it was by my counsellor at the time, Pauline Skeets. And in life, there is lots of conflict. There are ideas that I have that I think are good and right, and there are ideas you have that you think are good and right, and they rub up against each other. And we actually don't have to pull each other and our ideas apart, but we can, in, in the midst of conflict and in the midst of disagreement, post that. Her advice was, Give and receive repair attempts. So it's where you go, okay, we've both just lost our shiz a little bit or we've both just become impassioned and held our ground, potentially at the expense of hearing the other person. And so if you can offer a kindness and if you can swallow your pride and receive a kindness, I think that's very good advice. Stay there, stay in the room. And sometimes, so for example, with Hamish and I, if we have a bunny or you know, Never a, happens. a difficult conversation, he'll say something or I'll say something and I'll say, this is a repair attempt. Because you're usually a bit, still a bit hit up in your brain. You know, you're still like, stuff you. And I'll be like, this is a repair attempt. Or I'll be like, oh, that's a re- he's, he's making a repair attempt. So actually literally choose. You go back to your thinking brain and you choose to repair. I think that's good advice, don't you? I, I like it. I, I, I've been told... Um, in those circumstances, you should accept it, but you don't say it's okay because it's not always okay what someone's done to you. No, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to condone that yeah. behaviour, but you can say, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Petra yeah. Burgess, thank you so much for coming in. You've been listening to Generally Famous. There are more episodes at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous and wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us on any of the podcast apps, you'll get instant access to the next episode. It's quick and easy to do. Thanks very much to producer Chris Reed. I'm Simon Bridges and this is Generally Famous. It's been great to have you along. If you liked listening to this pod, Help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.
If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.